Can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some Soccer. My name is Seth Fertelny. Here with me this evening, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Lloyd. Guys, this is the first time that we've all been together, the three of us in one place doing a show since October. It was a little awkward without, uh, without Floyd last time. I'm looking forward to this. I was so sorry, but then I looked at the news the next day and saw the catastrophe that was caused on the roads by the snowstorm that yeah. kept me inside and away from you guys. You made the right choice. Yeah. yeah you, you know, it's going to snow tonight, maybe, so we could, in fact, end up with the opposite effect where Thomas is stuck here and we just have to continue podcasting on and on We're going to have our way with you, Thomas. All right, anyway, sorry. <laughs> A little frightened. Yeah. Uh, how are you, sir? Good. Yeah? Yeah. Just... Wrapping up these last couple of weeks of preseason, you know? Great job. <laughs> yeah, we're only, how many How many weeks are we from a DC CCL opener? It's like two and a half weeks out. Oh my it's so God. close now. I don't know who's less prepared, uh, us or them. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a topic of conversation worth breaking down. Can, can I imagine I th- we'll get to that later. Can I tell you guys what I did yesterday? Yeah. I I mean, I know, but <laughs> yeah, please I, tell everybody else. Thomas, this, Pop, this Pablo was, purposely withhold, withheld this story from me so I could get Thomas, a I, genuine reaction on the air. I drove to uh, I drove to the Poconos to take some photos at an abandoned resort and after about 15 minutes um, the caretaker of the place found me uh, and then called the police and said, you know, he blocked my car in and said the police are on their way. Not, not the first time that's no. happened to you. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I uh, I waited with him for the cops to show up. And, you know, we started shooting the shit and stuff. After, turns out he owns a body shop up there, and he, you know, a mechanic. So we sort of bond for a little while. And then um, he realizes as the police are on the way that he has a pot on him, like in his pocket. <laughs> So he's like, oh, you know what? You seem like a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. So he goes up to uh, meet the police as they arrive, and he's like, oh, everything's fine. You know, it's just uh, like, uh, you know, this seems like a nice guy or whatever. Then he comes back, and we keep talking. Um, and then uh, and then he gets me high, which normally isn't, like, a, a big deal. But this shit, I, I smoked pot with this guy, and I literally couldn't feel my legs for, like, an hour. So I, I sat in my car, uh, you know, I, I sat in my car for an hour until I was, like, legit enough to drive back from Pennsylvania because I wasn't just going to, you know, careen down the road. Anyways, it was, it was really weird. It was a really weird experience. It's cool, though, because weed is legal in D.C. Oh, wait, oh. you were in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, I know, whatever. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm not too worried about – and the FBI is listening to Back Heel right now, you know. <laughs> Anyways, Do we have any FBI. The Pablo, listeners? that's ridiculous. We know it's the NSA. 
Okay. <laughs> All right, if we have any FBI listeners, we invite you to call in and <laughs> talk about all and, the- and arrest me, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you can figure out where I live. Um, all right, so pivoting from <laughs> smoking marijuana to DC United. Sure, why not? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Hey, um, so speaking of DC United, they're coming back pretty soon, and there's a few topics that we haven't really gotten to in the off season. Um, there are definitely some issues that uh, this team has always as as we get closer to playing in in season team from Mexico for the thankfully they're not doing too well at least the Gallos the, Blancos that that um, draw is looking kind of better now than it did when they got it you know. yeah all right so where where should we start here let's 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 get into uh a couple of the rumored signings for for United uh this is a team that clearly is in need of some pieces, uh, especially in center midfield. Perry Kitchen is leaving to a as-yet-undetermined location. Davey Arnault still has a lot of question marks about his concussion issues. He may have to retire. Uh, so a couple guys I've been looking at. Um, Acosta. What's his first name? You wrote the story. I forget. Uh, I've already forgotten. Okay. They're looking at, Aco- <laughs> they're looking at Acosta. <laughs> Uh, and they're not, looking not at, the MLS Acosta, <laughs> Kel, not Kellen Acosta. Yeah. That'd be nice. Uh, and they're looking at uh, Nocherino, uh, Antonio Nocherino. He has a first name, and I even is know it. Is it Nocherino or is it Nocerino? <laughs> Nocherino. I thought it was Nocerino. You clearly don't speak Italian. Okay, all right. Do you? I don't either. but yeah. <laughs> I at least know how to pronounce it. Uh, For the record, his name is Luciano Acosta. Luciano Acosta, which is I did watch Luciano Acosta's uh, fire mixtape that I found on YouTube, um, and he uh, he does have uh, gobs and gobs of speed, and uh, seems uh, seems like a potentially pretty promising creative playmaker. The size obviously is a factor. He's five two. Oh yeah. my God! He, yeah. ma- he makes Franco Niel look tall. You guys get <laughs> right. that reference? I, yeah, old, yeah. Old school DC player. I mean, I think the running joke is that this is potentially the next Franco Neal. but this guy seems to have a little more promise. I think. You yes, know? Uh, I and uh, I like that he's he's a guy they would probably play pretty high up the field. Like he essentially would be a forward in the DC United system, so uh, he would be more of a you know. Uh, he would be another option up top who would allow them to move like a Chris Rolfe back to the flank potentially, as opposed to uh, Nocerino. No Nocerino. No I don't know what we decided on. Uh, yeah, whereas he would be a deeper guy to replace our our nose spot in the lineup. I was relieved when I saw them pursuing this guy because I I feel like with uh, Arno's potential departure and Perry's for sure departure, they'd sort of gotten tunnel vision on fixing um, fixing their central midfield and uh to me i mean i think uh, up top is still sort of a problem area for them so it's good to get a dual yeah. purpose guy it seems like there's still some question marks about whether saboria is going to start the season with with dc united or they're gonna cast him aside right uh it was steve goff had a story said they were pursuing samaras which it looks like they no longer are but at the time he, you know he flowed out the possibility that they would sign another striker and part ways with Sabrio who they just signed to a new contract yeah, back how exactly in would, December. How exactly would they do that? I assume they would need to trade or I guess in MLS, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the technicalities behind this, but you are allowed one contract buyout per off season, which they have not utilized. So 
I, I guess it would be strange to use a contract buyout on the player who you just signed. Uh, perhaps that's an option. But yeah, it's is uh, it's interesting because I think there's an agreement that the forward group they have, it's pretty much the same group that wasn't scoring goals down the stretch last season. Like they they were the of the teams that made the playoffs. They had the second lowest goal total. And a lot of those goals came early in the season, mid-season, down the stretch into the playoffs. They were really struggling up top, and I'm a little surprised that they didn't make perhaps a target forward more of a priority this offseason. Yeah, and, and talking about Nocherino, there's been some interesting reports coming out about Orlando City going after him uh, and D.C. United possibly telling on them to MLS League office for tampering. Uh, interestingly enough, this isn't the first time that Orlando City has – gotten in trouble for tampering uh, i think it's pretty clear that adrian heath gives zero fucks about this kind of stuff um i, I guess the connection there is kaka obviously a former teammate at ac milan of notorinos and uh I, I guess it's reported that uh dc united's offer is somewhere in the seven hundred thousand dollar range and um the ocsc offer is closer to a million or uh, somewhere above nine hundred thousand so clearly i mean I, I you'd think that you know I, I heard today, uh, you know, I sort of got a little bit of information that I think what's most likely to happen at this point is for D.C. to receive some, some sort of comp- compensation and for him to, uh, for Notarino to sign with Orlando. But, Thomas, you and I talked to Ben Olson on Saturday at that uh, season ticket holder event, and he you know, still seemed to think that there was room in their budget for both players. He's, he left the possibility wide open that they could sign both Acosta and Notarino. So it be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, the, I, I wonder how that would work out. Like, does I, like how does MLS handle the tampering charge? Like, does DC potentially get help from the league because there there was an issue of tampering? I'm sure. This I mean, is I think so because that, because uh, Casper make could very easily make the argument that he was going to sign for seven hundred thousand, and now right the player has leverage that he never had before. You know, exactly. I and the thing is, I don't know if there's a precedent for a situation like this developing. So I'm not sure how the league handles it. You know, do they just shell out allocation money to help well, DC United make up the difference because tampering threw off their contract let's, negotiations? Let's uh, talk yeah. about whether this rule should even exist. I mean, I, it, it seems a little antiquated and ridiculous at this point. It, it just, yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of any other pro league where you can literally just call dibs on a player. Which is essentially what this seems like to me, you know. Right. I mean, it, and uh, to build off your point, there are cases, uh, this isn't one of them, but there are cases where teams straight up abuse the situation by claiming players they have no interest like, in signing. They, they Like he- parking a domain name, basically. Right, yeah. You know, they, like- they hear um, that a player is available and potentially interested in signing with a team, and they quickly get in the discovery claim so they can hold his rights hostage for some allocation money that happened last season i believe with sebastian legit yeah um, the the revolution quickly got claim in because they knew the galaxy were moving in so here's my question put on your don garber hat for a second and explain why this rule is still in place because i think a lot of people have a hard time figuring out why MLS still does this. I think probably, I mean, my running theory is just to placate the smaller market teams and make them think that, you know, that they 
But what does this have to do with small market teams? Anybody well, can claim well, a player. Well, uh, I feel like we have a pretty good reference point on this because it came up a lot during the CBA talks last year, and Garber's repeated defense of not having free agency, which we now uh, finally have for the first time in a very limited fashion, was that owners buy into MLS under the agreement that they will never compete with each other for players. And so the discovery claim means there is no situation where you, two MLS teams are bidding against each other for a player. It's always about, you know, everyone always has exclusive rights to someone, and you can trade those rights uh, the same way when a player is out of contract and you. This is this you, is socialism. Yeah, that's yeah. what this is. And the idea and the idea is you only. And it's get not a even it's not even democratic socialism. <laughs> yeah. It's just socialism. Yeah, the idea is you only get a certain amount of discovery claims. Right. So and, you can't just go and claim every and, player on Real Madrid. I claim Syria. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And I believe MLS has cut down on the number of allocation slots in the last CBA. I I believe it went down from whatever number it was before to now it's like seven. So. There's less wiggle room for teams just uh, file uh, essentially fraudulent claims or to just claim you know everyone on Real Madrid, but it's still it's still an iffy situation. Like uh, people were bringing up that Javier Hernandez, uh, Orlando has a claim on him, and he was still linked to several MLS teams. You hear about players who are linked to multiple MLS teams all the time, and you think, are there talks going on behind the scenes? What officially constitutes tampering? It, well, right, exactly. It's fuzzy. Like, if Javier Hernandez has a discovery claim on him by Orlando City, and Javier Hernandez says this offseason, hey, MLS, I want to come back, but I only want to play for the Red Bulls or NYCFC. Right. Like, do you think they're going to be like, mm, I'm sorry, Javier, but you can only go to Orlando City. See, they have the discovery claim on you. Yes. And uh, the comparable situation was Didier Drogba. Uh, right. Montreal ended up being the final destination, but Chicago had the discovery claim. And the ultimate resolution to that was perhaps what we'll see with this Notorino case, which was uh, some allocation money got sent to the fire in exchange for, for that claim. And then they ended up, uh, I believe, using it to sign Gilberto. Where are, we at, where are we at with Drogba? I'm still so confused. I think he, he's back. I, I mean, is he, he's not in camp yet, is he? But Yeah, and then like, also, didn't Saputo say like he couldn't guarantee that he would even play? or Like a full like, season? Right. Or something? I'm so confused. I, you know, like... I don't think the rules apply to DDA Drogba. No. <laughs> with with the leg lock, etc. You know. Right. 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 So... If we're looking at DC United's roster, let's assume that they're able to get one of Acosta and Nocherino. Where are you looking for this team to add players? What's the most glaring spot where, where they need someone? Uh, if they only add one of those two, I mean, I think they're on the right track looking to add two players there. I think they need another... You know, if they need another central attack-minded player, in yeah. my mind. You and know, I think it's hard, it's hard to really buy too much. I know he's not attack-minded, but it's hard to really buy too much into the Marcelo Sarvas resurgence story yes. this year. Sar Sarvas, to me, I mean, he, he could end up having a good season. He's only, you know, a year and a half removed from being a starter on a MLS Cup winning team. And he had a fantastic season that year, I think, had, you know, double-digit assists. But he's 34, coming off a season where he had some injury issues and his numbers were way down. It's, it is such a DC United signing. It's, he's yeah. a he's a older guy, role player, 
you know. You I mean, mean it, every DC United signing they've made this off season? And it, 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 yeah, exactly. It, it, it feels like a stopgap. Basically, he's insurance in case these other moves don't work out. And also, even if they do work out, are you going to have time to implement those players ahead of CCL? It no, almost I, seems on, like man. they. I think we know that's a wash at this point. Yeah, it, and I think you talked. You know, we talked to Ben about it, and he's always very sort of reserved in what he says about CCL. And then after they get eliminated, then obviously they, like any other MLS coach, he marches out the lines about, you know, that they're. I mean, you already saw we. He prepped us for it in a way on Saturday. He said, "Yeah, they're you know in the middle of their season, and we're still figuring you know blah 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 blah." I mean. Right. It's just sort of a lost cause with them, I think. You know, I, I think I think this could be a really interesting year in CCL because MLS, which has four teams in the competition now in the knockout round, if all four of those teams get eliminated in the first uh, in the first round, it's just a terrible look. You know, yeah. so I, yeah. it, it's a terrible look to an extent, but also I feel like the people, it's a limited subset of the fan base that even though CCL exists. You know, man, I talked to uh, an unidentified player, I'll just put it th- that way, last year about CCL, and um, his uh, his impressions of the tournament were that most of the guys hate playing the games. They don't get paid shit for the games, basically. Dude, the team, they split a $4,000 bonus if they win a group stage game. That's like whatever two hundred dollars each I I mean, you know, it's like is that paid in like a giant basic. gift card or something like that <laughs> um and surprisingly enough the same player said that uh most players are huge fans of the open cup um because how how often do you get to play in a single elimination tournament and you know you play in these cool little stadiums you know so right. it was interesting because you always figure i for some reason assumed that that most mls players would enjoy the sort of international side of things, you know? But. Yeah. I, CCL, again, this is beating a dead horse. I think the timing is a big factor. The Open Cup is mid-season. You're in stride, and you can, you know, a lot of teams play reserves in the Open Cup, but also you can play your starters and feel like you're in the swing of things, and you can put your best foot forward in that, whereas in CCL, you know, the knockout round is during preseason and the early stages where you feel you're at a disadvantage. And then the group stage is at the end of the year where you're battling for playoff seeding. And it's kind of an annoyance that you have to deal with between all these games down the down the stretch. Speaking of that event on Saturday, what are, you, what are your impressions on our new kit? Uh, I see... I like it. I like that there's more red involved. Mm-hmm. To me, I always thought it was odd that they were the black and red, and their jerseys were mostly black and white. I know yeah. you. I know you have more reservations about. I don't. Aspects I mean, I think it's. It. I think it's uh, relatively boring. But I think obviously we're to the point with jerseys in MLS where um, you know they essentially pick from a handful of designs that Adidas offers them, and yeah. there's only so much they can do. You know, so. Can, can I, I don't hold the team accountable for that. You know, I just right. don't think there's really you – know, it's there, more the same. And there's some nice touches. I like the um, the D.C. flag, little patch. Oh, I mean, come on. I mean, I, you know, I like those in the taxation without representation. On without the, taxation representation. Yeah, on the neck tape. Uh, you know, uh, I like those things, and I, I really love that our D.C.S. logo is on it too. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, I like those things, but I just think that, you know, this is a team that – and this is my opinion only – uh, a team that just signed a stadium deal and that the city invested $150 million plus 
millions of dollars in tax breaks. And this is a it's a, the team that literally, even after the agreement was announced, when sort of stuff was proceeding in a snail space, they were talking to Loudoun County about moving. Right. So you know, to me, it's just like convenient that now they're sort of marching out this DC vote stuff, and you know, it's it's great. I just I'm not really as excited about it as you know. As as you guys are, we I think we got a call. Nine one four, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Nine one four, you there? Got weird stuff going on with calls recently. Yeah, we're not getting them. Nine one four, welcome to open wide for some soccer. You there? Hey, what's going on, guys? Nothing. Hey, How you doing? I'm doing all right. Did you guys hear about Aaron Schoenfeld? <laughs> 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 we okay. We did, but we the, want the you to tell us. MLS news of the week. <laughs> um, Dan, Dan Carell, uh, open wide for some soccer frequent caller. Uh, make make sure that okay. I, make I, sure that we at least get one phone call tonight. Dan, I want to acknowledge something that I shared with Pablo and Seth in our uh, I, I chat I message chat we have going, which was when that story broke. I think I sent a link to them and just was like, this is the story Dan Carell was born to tell. <laughs> I, I knew you yeah, would be all over that. For those of us not in the know, Dan, why don't you fill us in on what exactly is going on with Aaron Schoenfeld? Okay, well, it's actually like legitimately crazy from an American perspective. But I guess this is normal in like Europe or, you know, Israel or whatever those leagues. But like, so, I mean, you know, played four years with the crew – it, it, the only chance he really got starting, he didn't really do too well in 2014, was, you know, the backup to Kai Kamara for half the year last year, then the backup to Jack McInerney, who was the backup to Kai Kamara. So didn't really play very much. I didn't even know he was Jewish, and I guess some agent figured it out and got him over to Israel. And uh, In Israel, if you're Jewish, you get automatic citizenship. You don't count as a foreigner, so... It's attractive. Really? Teams looking for, for a foreign player doesn't count. So he signs with this team called Nakami Netanya, and they're like in a real relegation battle. And two weeks in, their owner decides, eh, you know what? A, a bunch of other teams want him also. I'm just going to sell him off to two weeks of having him signed. It's make like, I think it was like $500,000 or something. So he switches teams after two weeks and moves to Paul Tel Aviv, and he plays his first game in like the team's huge rivalry game against their uh, – it's not even crosstown rivals because they play in the same stadium, but um, against Maccabi Tel Aviv, and he scores two minutes into the game. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been a crazy story. And everyone – nobody can understand why, you know, he was so wanted because his first two games for Natani, he didn't really play very well, which is understandable. I mean, he's a new league, new country, everything, but – he doesn't really have a history of being like a DDA drug kind of a player, yet he was getting like all that hype. So, <laughs> so the first really, really fascinating. The, the first team signed him on a free and then sold him for $500,000 two weeks later? Sounds like a smart investment. Something like that, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if they're getting 500000 like immediately now. And part of that deal was they're also selling like their star left back prospect. So I think it was really more for, for that left back prospect, but th- something like that, yeah. Good, good business. I mean, the guy knows that his team is going to get relegated, so he's just trying to get as much money as he can right now. Man, five hundred thousand dollars sale—that's like he probably took like three hundred k in allocation money from that. <laughs> is that how that, is that not so how it works over there? Works that way I guess they, they probably still have his rights, right? 
that's how it works. Uh, yeah, cause, yeah. When you leave on the free, you keep the rights. Because otherwise, you could come back to MLS and it would be a free for all. And MLS like, wouldn't right. want that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan. But, uh, anyway, anyway, I had another actual question. Okay. I, I heard. Um, I was kind of listening to two podcast, going through my podcast list today, and I heard Taylor Twelman. I guess it was like a week or two ago on. Um, the uh, the FC Dallas show on on ESPN Dallas or whatever with Steve Davis and Mark Stein, um, and he was mentioning how, in his opinion, the USMNT camp was very it was like the most relaxed he had seen in years, and he thought maybe maybe now Jurgen realized that you know all that crap about these guys aren't in shape and they're not fit, you know that he said last year like maybe it's better to tone it down and there's another way for them to, you know, peak in June and July when the Copa America scenario comes up. And I, I just wanted to know from, from, you know, what you guys have seen, if you think maybe, maybe you start starting to realize that, you know, the, at least the, the domestically based players you know, don't need to be pushed as hard. Yeah. I think he was definitely toning it down. I mean, there were only two hamstring injuries this camp. So. <laughs> Nobody's knee exploded like a pipe bomb, so you know, I don't know. He's doing better. Uh, Thomas, do you have anything constructive to actually yeah. say? Uh, I actually thought I did think of the same thing. I with uh, who was it? Brad Evans and Kellen Acosta both had hamstring injuries where they had to leave the games at halftime, and I was like, oh man, like all all the stuff, all this this whole narrative with Klinsman is more laid back. It isn't pushing them as hard, and he still still leads to hamstring injuries. Dan, uh, as always, we appreciate the call, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. Uh, all right, so where were we? I mean, um, I guess it was nice this year that there there didn't seem to be any sort of animosity in camp between the players and the coach, right. which you definitely couldn't say last year when Klinsman was busy calling everybody out for being out of shape. Right, and uh, also... I uh, I believe uh, Twelman was talking a lot about that, and I saw another story. I think it was uh, in the Post where um, they confirmed that the January camp was originally supposed to start a week earlier, and, and it normally starts just like a couple days after New Year's, whereas this one didn't kick off until like the twelfth or thirteenth. So it was a shorter January camp, which makes sense. Like these guys need an off season, yeah. and, and also uh, Darlington Nagby was excused from the the first week of camp like because yeah uh his wife they had their first child and uh that that's the type of thing where to, you know to for him to get an entire week off for that is i don't know maybe in the past Klinsman would have allowed it but i feel like you know perhaps that's another sign that he's uh loosening things a little bit yeah well let's let's move on to the national team uh because we had a couple of friendlies in the in the last week and um you know, there's there's definitely some things that we can take out of this January camp and some things that we can take out of these friendlies. I think you look not necessarily at the results. I mean, there were two wins. Both of them were last-minute goals. Uh, but more of the performances and whose stock is up and whose stock is maybe down. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to start with one guy who shockingly made his first two starts for the U.S. national team ever in these two games against Iceland. And and Canada, and uh, that's Lee Wynn, uh, a guy whose skill set you would think the U.S. has been crying out for for a long time. Uh, you know, he had obviously a huge 2014 MLS, got back into the picture with the national team. Last year, it started out a little slower with the Revs, but picked it up towards the middle of the season, and, and, and by the end of the season, I think was 
playing just as well as he had been the season before. But, you know, he just didn't really seem to break through with the national team at all last year. And I think with some of their struggles, especially with creativity, they could have used a guy like Lee Wynn. So I guess the question is now, where does he go forward from here? Does he actually get a spot in the rotation with the A-team going forward into these qualifiers and into Copa America? I think he does definitely in these qualifiers, and perhaps those will be a test for him. Because, as you mentioned, those was were his first starts for the national team. Uh, he has played uh, zero competitive minutes for the national team since 2007 when he played in the last Copa America the U.S. took part in. Uh, he is a, is a player who brings a lot to the table that they don't really have. Uh, you know, there are other guys in the pool who have a similar skill set like uh, Sasha Kleschen or Benny Failhaber, but it seems like they aren't in the picture. So if the U.S. wants to play that kind of style, and we've talked about this before on the show, you know, Klinsman is all about we need to play more proactive soccer and we need to control games and uh, have possession. And Lee Nguyen is the type of player you need if you want to play that style. More, more guys like him and perhaps fewer of the speedy, athletic, but you know, not necessarily skilled options that Klinsman has been leaning on uh, over the past year. <laughs> DeAndre. Yeah. Oh, what a first touch of a blacksmith, I, I Jesse Zardes. On the outline here, I have uh, Jesse Zardes. Does he have the touch of a donkey or a rhinoceros? <laughs> he had, he had uh, pro- maybe like the worst miss, the worst U.S. national team miss in recent memory in that first game. From I it was a header. I it was rem- like he, yeah, it was like a header, and I swear to God, it was, it was like he was in the goal mouth. I think he's he himself has actually had worse misses in the last couple months <laughs> with the national team. Zardes is, uh, I feel like if he gets on the ball five times in the attacking third, he will make four inexplicable <laughs> mistakes. And then the fifth one will be, like, a nice play that leads to a scoring chance. And the reason... Like, the two of them, at least, will be, like, uncontrollably running over the end line. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, just, just like dribble out, out of bounds. Yeah, right, know? right. Speaking of, I can't believe Lee Wynn has only made two starts, and it was his first two this last week. Jossie's artist led the U.S. national team in appearances in 2015. Yeah, I, was, I was a little disappointed in, when, in his performances uh, in the two games, although I think it was just because... Uh, when we've seen him previously with the national team in recent memory, it's been off the bench, and you get this like quick injection of energy. And I think you could really tell he was trying to maximize sort of the impact that he made off the bench, you know. Um, and I think maybe he, it, it just seemed like it took him a little bit longer to work work his way into the game, you know, in his two appearances the, this the, time. The thing with Zardes is it, we <clears throat> actually have seen him play some pretty nice intricate soccer at times with the, um, with the galaxy and and even he, he had a nice he had a nice little through ball to to altador i believe it was the the canada game that shot that ricocheted off the post and then the keeper and then the post again yeah uh so i mean zardis appears to at least have the capability to play smooth intricate soccer in the attacking third it just seems like Man, that, that first touch lets him down more often than not that that ball from finley though was very very nice yeah and, and the the and nobody talked about it, but the ball from Bradley to Finley was oh, pretty insane. That, yeah, that you know, ball. Like 45 yards right. on, uh-huh. on a dime, you know. And uh, did anyone talk about the fact that Ethan Finley actually uh, had du- 
has dual citizenship and is eligible to play for Canada and had what? had talked about he Why would he anybody has, want to do that? He as recently as last year was like, Yeah, like if the call came from Canada, you know, I'd I'd consider it type thing and I mean, then, sure, surely at some point last year when he wasn't getting called in by the U.S., Canada had to have reached out right. to him. And then second cap beats I mean, Canada. I mean, they're, they're starting guys out there in the, like, the Indian second division. And like, <laughs> come on. Like, they have to reach out to an MLS best 11 guy. Come on. R- random aside, Donnell Henry played perhaps the worst soccer game I've seen by an <laughs> it was individual. Really, it was really bad. It was, it was really 45 bad. minutes of garbage like uh, he, it worked out well i mean it was 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 the right thing to do sorry uh, yeah i think I, I think i think tfc is perhaps better off moving on from him well i mean uh, to be fair to mr henry he has been injured for a long time and they did play him out of position at right back right uh but it, it is kind of strange he's, he's no steve birnbaum with his versatility yeah right i mean uh, i did sort of do a double take when I saw West Ham signed him. I was like, I've seen this guy play in MLS for several years, and he is not good enough to play in the Premier League. Let's uh, let's talk about Bernie. Bernie? I actually, I said that exact same thing to Ben Olsen on Saturday, and he thought I was talking about Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. And then went on to say that Bernie Sanders reminds him of his old man. Uh, but let's talk about Steve Burnbaum. <laughs> Bernie. Uh, well, I think I think the thing with Burnbaum that you you have to look at is not just the offensive side that he showed in those games because we've seen he's capable of winning headers. And I think what you have to look at more is how he played defensively because that's what's going to earn him minutes going forward with the national I, team. I, st- I still think he was solid in both games. I and mean, I think, he, obviously, he was uh, at least partially at fault on a goal Um you know, in, uh, the on the, in the Iceland game. Right. But, you know, I mean, aside from that, and I think a lot of people latched onto that, but aside from that, I think he was easily the, you know, the the most uh, stable, calm person on that back line the entire game. Uh, in the Iceland game. Not that that's a, hard, not that that's a high bar. Right. Yeah. The, the Iceland game, I mean, he, he came on and, yeah, he got beat for the goal. So, I mean, it was a wonderful finish so it's not really like he got skinned or anything and then he made great offensive contributions i really don't remember him really being overly tested aside from that so that was a very small sample size in the game against canada i thought he looked great at right back for i don't remember him getting beat once all game he won his individual matchups he got forward a little bit and i don't think steve likes playing there but i think it's so huge that for dc that Jurgen has started to sort of test him in that position because DC could certainly use that depth this year, you know. Right, and uh, and uh, are we going to see more of Jurgen copying Ben Olsen now? <laughs> is is Davy Arnault going to get a much deserved national team recall? I think <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think uh, I was more fascinated in the Canada game with watching Jose- with, with with watching Jermaine Jones just. Uh, bomb forward with reckless abandon. <laughs> like some sort of out of control freight train, you know, like my favorite was when he did an overlapping run with right midfielder <laughs> Jesse Zardis. Like he pa- he passed him the ball, pretty normal play for a center back. And then there's this moment where every other center back in the world would just kind of stay put. Right. But Jermaine's like, no, I'm doing this, and just flies on this 20-yard overlapping run <laughs> trying to get in until I get a cross in or something. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. uh, I'd like to talk about that for a second, uh, specifically Jermaine Jones at center back. 
after that game, Klinsman came out and had some quotes. Or it looks like we have a caller coming, yeah. so I'll, I'll get to my tangent later. Go ahead. Um, there we go. 404, you're an open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Damn, I think there's just a delay these days. 404, you're an open wide for some soccer. How you doing? And one more try. 404, you're an open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hello, Atlanta. <laughs> Is that Atlanta? It's Atlanta, Atlanta, yeah. Is it Carlos Bocanegra? Atlanta, are you there? All right, let's just keep talking. Right. Okay, so Thomas, continue. Jermaine Jones at center back. Uh, and it's an experiment Klinsman tried for a handful of games a year and a half ago. I think it failed pretty spectacularly. That's how I would describe it. Uh, and then uh, he breaks it out again and basically says, "Look, we ran out of center backs. What am I supposed to do?" Like. Am I, and his exact quote was like, I can't bring in someone else from Europe or Mexico. They're in season right now. It's like he doesn't know MLS exists. Right. Like, you know? uh, Matt Hedges was a finalist for MLS Defender of the Year, was in the January camp, is in his prime, had, was, you know, like a lot of people would argue he is the best defender in MLS. You know, anchors uh, a back line for a team that was one goal away from MLS Cup. I'm, I'm going to say defensively he's better than Birnbaum. Uh, and uh, also on the ball, he is one of the slickest uh, passers uh, among center backs in MLS just in terms of his ability to – uh, he's passing, so important to their system. His percentage is shockingly high. Right. It's like top top ten in the league or something like that. And, and that Oscar Preha's system relies on that heavily. So he's you know the exact type of player you think Klinsman would want and he – doesn't call him up and then goes as far as to say, like, you know, essentially imply with these quotes that he's not even really in the picture and that, you know, they'd rather play, you know, a 34-year-old midfielder <laughs> out of position than audition who, a guy who might be the best defender. A 34-year-old midfielder who, who, like, probably won't even be able to take part in qualifying at this point, in right. er, early qualifying, I mean... Yeah, because he has the suspension through the March qualifiers in, which, in all likelihood. Well, which he can't even start serving until he signs with Find the team. The team yeah, yeah I mean, I'm waiting for him to sign with like the uh, Silverbacks or something. Yeah, some, <laughs> and, and they they schedule six games for like uh, fe the end of February. To yeah. <laughs> well, you guys. It was Mark Geiger's fault for getting in his way. Of course. Has, yeah. And the, According to Jurgen Klinsmann, it's ridiculous that this hasn't been – well, and Jermaine Jones, you know. Right. Yeah, I have limited sympathy for Jermaine Jones. It's not just that he bumped into him, all right? It's that he literally looked like he was going to slit his throat. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> like, he, he, like, slapped the yellow – or the red card out of his hand. He like, did? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I remember – the image that sticks out to me is Marcus Halstey politely tracked down the red card and handed it back to Geiger. <laughs> how, how Scandinavian of him. Yeah. You know. uh, so, yeah, um, for anyone who isn't following Jermaine Jones, suspended first six games of whatever season he next takes part in. He is out of contract. So whether he goes to Germany or MLS or wherever, he has a six-game suspension. And he can't play with the national team until that suspension is up. Can't play in competitive matches. So it's, that, Klinsman and Jones both blamed U.S. soccer, 
saying that they were holding it up, but it's actually in sort of FIFA's bylaws that... Right. Well, it, I, I think Klinsman... I, I think they both were more just like they felt like it was an excessive ban, but it's completely consistent with what MLS has done. It, like, I thought it was going to be worse than a spindleist, but I, I thought in, it, in any case, I yeah. thought it was going to be similar, and it was ended up being exactly the same. Like they, you know, you can't do that, uh, and you know the fact that we're, you know, and and Jermaine Jones came out in the media and said, you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous. You know, I go, I can't sign with a team in Germany because. You know, uh, by the time my suspension's up, there will only be 10 games left in the season, and it'll be, like, a wasted signing. But I can't sign with MLS because they're only offering me, like, $700,000 a year. Like, oh, poor poor Jermaine Jones. Yeah, I wonder how much, if any effect, the injury to Xavier Kawasi is going to have. The Revs signed this... Uh, central defensive midfielder as a designated player about a week ago, and then he just shredded his knee this, uh, I can't, this last ACL weekend. ACL and MCL. I, yeah. I can only imagine how hard Jermaine Jones laughed when that happened. <laughs> oh, my God. You know? Yeah. Uh, like maybe I'm sure I feel in a way with the with the Revs that was sort of a statement of intent uh, when they signed him. Right. And, uh, Daigo Kobayashi's got that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the Revs will increase their offer from 20% of his 2015 salary to 30%. Right. I... I I think, in general, there's just a bit of a uh, misunderstanding of how MLS salaries work from Jermaine Jones. Like, you know, there are going to be drastic differences between being a DP and being, like, a, you know, a TAM-type player, which is what they want him to be now. And, you know, $700,000 is still still makes him one of the highest-paid players in MLS. Was that the offer? He said it was 20%. Less than twenty percent of what he made. So doing the math puts it around seven hundred thousand because he made three million. That's insane. That's insane. He made so much. He made. He was just like he was. I always thought he was overpaid. Even they signed him. Yeah, I mean he's making three million, and last year he was hurt for half the season when he was playing. He wasn't. I don't think overly effective. He's starting to kind of get up there. All right, get another caller here. I'm gonna. Clearly, this probably isn't gonna work, but. Oh, and they hung up. All right. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, l- let the record show that we had three callers in this episode. <laughs> Guys, uh, speaking of the U.S. national team, I, I think it's time uh, that we uh, maybe debuted a new segment on the show. Um, kind of an homage to the uh, – which outlet does the secret footballer? It's the Guardian. If you guys aren't right. familiar, the Guardian runs a column, and they even have a book by the secret footballer. I don't know if there's more than one, but right. – the idea is somebody who I believe he currently is, or at least used to be. I think it's a former player, right? Uh, a player and uh, is just able to be completely candid and tell lots of good stories in exchange for anonymity. So right. we and here that, at Open Wide for some soccer, we got our own secret. We footballer. have a secret footballer of our own, right? And yeah. to, to add a little more context, he kind of came into the American soccer discussion about a week ago when. He called uh, Matt Miazga a donkey, yeah. which, just, <laughs> which, by the way, is like my favorite, I, I, my favorite, uh, uh, you know, thing that British commentators just call a player like touch of a donkey or, oh, he's a donkey. Yeah. Like, Jesus uh, Christ. He, it was slightly more diplomatic than that. It was his source was a former teammate of Matt Miazga. So let's guess. Thierry Henry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and he 
Uh, I would pay. This, I would this, pay any money for the recording of Tyrion Reed calling <laughs> Matt Miazga a donkey. And they <laughs> didn't call him a donkey. He said he is as dumb as a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I believe. Uh, this which, is a, which I don't somehow, know if that's which better. is somehow better. <laughs> so this is this is our own uh, this is our own open wide for some soccer secret footballer. Welcome to the Open Wide for some soccer, Secret Footballer. Secret Footballer. Shh. Secret Footballer. I heard that a recent IQ test for Benny Fairhaber was not very positive. His score 72 compares not so favorably to Brendan Dassey from making a murderer. What a bummer. There's a rumor floating around that Andy Herzog was a finalist for the Manchester City job, but turned it down to coach the U23s. I can confirm that Club America turned down a lucrative transfer offer for Ventura Alvarado for both Real Madrid and Barcelona this transfer window. Dax McCarthy, like all of the gingers, should never be trusted. I hear the guys are going to invite Jürgen out with them this week when they go out to drink beers because Jürgen is really generally liked and the guys really like hanging out with him because, because he is definitely Mr. Cool Guy. I mean, I don't think anybody's really going to be able to unlock that mystery. What what I really like about that is we can get such great takes in exchange for the anonymity. anonymity. Yeah. 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 The, the shield of the open wide for some soccer anonymity. It's, it, I mean, it's enlightening to know that the U.S. national team players actually call their coach Mr. Cool Guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, should we uh, invite Mr. Cool Guy out tonight? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Ventura Alvarado. Subject to transfer bids from some some pretty big names, even though he's been recently playing with the Club America U21 team. That's that's actually true, by the way. God, that's that's sad. What's what, kind what, of where he belongs? It's but. actually incredible, though. Uh, the the different it is what it is. Can I change it anymore? Yeah, the the, the differing Sounds fortunes familiar. of the the two center backs from the uh, Gold Cup. You've right. got Ventura Alvarado, who's with the U21s of Club America. Meanwhile, John Brooks just got signed to a contract extension from Hertha. He's starting every game. There was rumors that Bayern Munich were interested in him. They're what third in the Bundesliga? They're right third now? in yeah. the Bundesliga. You know, he's it's been a good year. I mean, they're going to be in Champions League. Good chance of it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's whereas uh, I still I feel like years from now we're going to look back at box scores from that Gold Cup, be like oh, Alvarado. <laughs> Like, well, Thomas, only you are going to look look back at box scores of Gold Cup. Yeah, sitting well, at your I, I, in your Cheerios and uh, looking I do at, enjoy that. Stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm a honey I, bunches of oats guy. I for one am, am, am really interested in getting some more insight in the future from our our secret footballer. He just said he's a honey bunches of oats guy. By the way, I like honey bunches of oats. Really it's good shit, man. It's it's a little too little too health. Uh, a little too uh, heavy for me. You know, like yeah, just feels like work eating that. You know, I'm more of a. Uh, I go uh, Raisin Bran Crunch uh, or Life. It's life quality. is exceptionally good. Life? Are you five years old? Life is delicious, dude. Mm. What about Cinnamon Toast, toast Crunch? Uh, CT Crunch. CT Crunch? CTC. I stole that from uh, This Is The End. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Whenever I have a good joke, it's definitely something I stole from someone else. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, earlier tonight, uh, we were talking about the O.J. Simpson 
trial and uh or maybe he was making a murderer and i asked thomas that if he was going to kill somebody how would he do it and his response was what was your response you stab them with an icicle <laughs> and then the evidence melts away <laughs> which turned out was from a movie but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna believe that it's just the demented mind of thomas floyd i don't know um so we have a few minutes left i wanted to talk a little bit about the man that uh the secret footballer was calling a dumb donkey um <laughs> matt miazga uh noted <laughs> noted dumb donkey no, matt miazga <laughs> soon to be starting chelsea center back matt miazga professional jackass matt Mi- yeah the donkey who just signed a four and a half year contract and chelsea. he is in their champions league squad and he is up to he is their number three center back like, if there's another injury, I mean, they'll probably shift Ivanovic inside the center back. But in theory, the if there's perfect, another injury, he's forward. into the lineup. Like, yeah. he, because Kurt Zuma tore his ACL out the rest of the season. So Miazga is the only center back on the roster well, he's, besides John Terry and Gary Cahill. He's going to play. I think even before the Zuma injury, he was going to play because surprisingly, when he signed with Chelsea, they didn't immediately ship him off on loan. Um, right. Gus hitting indicated that they were going to give him a shot. They wanted to see what he had. Uh, so I think he was going to play anyways. But Can obviously you, now with their former starting center back injured, he's going to have even more chances. I, I, I wish I could uh, be there for the moment when one of their center backs goes down and goes hitting, turns, looks down the bench and just goes, Donkey. <laughs> donkey, you're in. <laughs> like, no, don't mess this. Don't don't make an ass of yourself out there, Donkey. <laughs> yeah, they're... They're in uh, the FA Cup and the Champions League knockout stage, so there's still there's still going to be a decent amount of fixture congestion for them this spring. So yeah. he's gonna play games, probably Premier League games, because those don't matter. For yeah. Do you ever get a feeling that like uh, the UK treats the looks for talent in the US the way the US looks for talent in Central America, and that sort of like it's a you know talent rich area of the world where they can basically get players for next to nothing yeah it's it, it is I mean, it's very much undervalued I, yeah. and that was a point i wanted to make with miazga as well and and one thing that i think as someone who is hoping that he goes to england and succeeds with chelsea i'm a little concerned about was the minimal investment that they made in him they paid five million dollars for him yeah, um you look at what they paid for for kurt zuma it was about four times that amount so someone like that you know, like Miazga, they're going to give him a shot, but, you know, they could loan him out for next year, the next year after that, probably sell him, make a little profit in a couple of years, no big deal. They do this all the time. So I think that's a little concerning from an American perspective with Miazga. Well, I mean, when he'll, he's, be, he'll when, be towing a barge down a canal in no time. <laughs> and by that, you mean starting the Champions League final? No. Thomas, if that happens, I... I don't even know what I would give you as you know, a bet or whatever. But he's starting a Champions League final or towing a barge. Seth and I have a bet that if Donald Trump wins the uh, Republican primary, uh, he owes me a hundred dollars worth of liquor. Yeah, and he was so confident that he wouldn't that my end of the bet is I would only owe him twenty dollars worth of liquor. Right, right, I gave him five to one odds. Yeah. We 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 made this bet. It, it was probably nine months ago at this point. Right. And Pablo was well like, before he just, he called Ted Cruz a pussy, <laughs> and you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to give Pablo some props for his foresight here. Um, I was very dismissive of the notion that he even had a shot at becoming the Republican nominee. 
So I was like, all right, I just got $20 worth of alcohol in the event that he drops out of the race. No. And I, I still think that... Seth underestimated, uh, underestimated the mouth breather vote. Yeah, you know, exactly. Very strong. Exactly. Uh, but regardless, you know, if he gets the nomination, we're definitely going to need to drink $100 worth of alcohol. <laughs> so. uh, in one sitting, so we die. Yeah. You right. know. Anyways. What else we got? So... Hey, did you see hey, the replay news? Oh, yeah? There is replay is news. Is there replay news? There's replay news. I'd like to... Let me pull it up here. I was proud of myself for... Uh, I asked a question to Don Garber and got actual news out of him. Usually, I just kind of uh, let let the more let the more seasoned journalist take here, center stage. It was here, ones, here, but here I was like, got to get my replay question in for the commissioner. This comes from uh, Sounder at Heart, SB Nation blog. Um... This is the fun part of the show where we just read you things off the internet now. <laughs> um, By the way, Daniel's been trying to call in a lot. I don't know what's going on, but he keeps complaining on Twitter. We're trying. I think we're trying here, right? I don't know what's going on with the phone lines. On Thursday, multiple MLS referees were – again, this is from uh, – no, this is from LA Galaxy Confidential. Excuse me. Multiple MLS referees were spotted in Portland. We can now shed some light on why. Sources close to the situation have confirmed that several referees from Pro were in Portland on Thursday to officially test replay technology, which we can expect to see in at least some USL games this coming year. Right. Um, and that that was the snippet of news that um, we got the draft with Garber said that MLS was going to collaborate so with USL. You'd have to think that it'd be in MLS the following year. I mean, yeah. And um, I... So have we have we had a full fledged replay debate? Because I feel like we hit different spectrums of the discussion. I yeah, think. Seth. Uh, Seth doesn't like it. Doesn't want it at all. Correct. Right. You're anti replay. Uh, I my, mean, aside my, from goal line stuff. My thing is, it can't stop the game. If there is well, I mean, some sort of it has to. If there's some kind of a system with say offside in a similar vein to goal line technology where there's just a beep offside onside, then I'm all for it, but I don't want to stop the game. Cause that's what makes soccer great is the continuous flow of the game. What if the, what if there was like a, the replay technology was like Johnny five or the robot from Rocky four. It was like incorporated somehow. Would that change your attitude at all? <laughs> Would the robot from Rocky four actually be on the field? Yeah, I mean, it would be an excruciatingly slow process where this thing would, like, roll slowly into the center circle and just be like, replay, you know, replay okay, well, technology access. For comedic value, then, yes, I would be okay, okay with that. All right. Um, I, I, I want to see it. I mean, I, I share the same concerns you do, but I think if they can do it efficiently and it's just a, a very brief – and I think they absolutely have to limit, obviously, and they will – the frequency of it and the types of plays that can be replayed. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to fucking replay because somebody thinks that, you know, they cross a sideline or something like that right. at midfield, you know what I mean? So uh, I am 100% for replay, but I have the same reservations, but the system they apparently are experimenting with is it will only be for goals, red cards, and PKs. 
So those are game-changing calls, and there's they, a stoppage in play. There's anyways. a stoppage well, in play. Here's a question, though: I mean, if the the ref misses a PK call, that's the thing I'm still wondering, and still have not seen a conclusive answer to. I I'm not sure if uh, if those cases will be God, called. Also, ben, ben Olsen's just going to throw that flag so much. Also, every I mean, single, those know. are those are still judgment calls. Right. Well, I I think <laughs> in soccer you have to open that can of worms. Like the calls that referees miss that ruin games. I'm sure are, also are judgment this, it's going to be similar to an NFL thing where there has to be a, an abundant amount of evidence to overturn the call on the field. You know, like right. if they look at it and it is a call that looks still pretty subjective, then I'm sure the call on the yeah. field will stand. Or, or if it's like the Super Bowl and, and then DC United ton- will lose a timeout. <laughs> right. Right. Like that, you know? In the Super Bowl, to get a little off track, uh, there was a call where there was... T- irrefutable evidence that they blew the call and they still held it they still i don't know if you guys watched that yeah it was the the, the catch the in the first game. quarter the yeah, yeah. carolina catch which was but, clearly a catch yeah but getting off topic there uh i i want to see it i think with those calls yeah the, the key for me and i think the nfl needs to do better at this as well is you know just have someone look at it be like all right there's the call and get things rolling like, I feel like the NFL, they'll stop for, like, three minutes, and it takes 20 seconds to look at it and determine whether you got the call right, and then they spend tons of time looking at it six more occasions and then figuring out how much time is on the clock and where the yardage is. In soccer, it would I mean, presumably be much simpler, so it would be a pretty fast process to figure it out, hopefully shorter than the amount of time that there's a stoppage anyway. After a goal, there's a celebration. After a PK, everyone swarms the ref, and there's that delays the game for minutes our, at a time. Our producer, Trevor, suggested that they just have a central nerve center, and it's just Simon Borg who makes all the calls. <laughs> <laughs> this is outrageous. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Case, the, the, the... So we have, we have the full spectrum here. Seth is largely against it. I'm for it in certain aspects, and Thomas wants... Every single play reviewed. Right. You want stoppage every 20 seconds. Like, if they, if they blow a throw-in call, I want the referee executed on the field. <laughs> oh, wow. Jesus by the Christ. By the robot from Rocky IV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. Nah, I, uh, I've just seen yeah, – soccer is such a low-scoring sport. You know, one blown call – has an impact on the I, game that is so much more than you see in that. any other I do agree sport. Yeah. So I, you know, if someone, even if it's a red card, it has an impact on that game and the next game. So it's, uh, yeah, but I mean, have, that's just what the, right. I mean, that's yeah, what yeah, the, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, MLS at least has that. Not every league does. Um, Are there any other calls you'd like to see aside from? I, I would. I'm pretty disappointed that we haven't invented an offside technology. Presumably, like the moment you get drafted, they embed a computer <laughs> chip into you to track your movement. It's, and I think yeah. it's just too complex, dude. To yeah. you know, maybe like a Mission Impossible style web of lasers across the <laughs> right. field that, like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's another one where you run into the same problem. If if you call it offside, then it's stopped. Then the play stopped, so you can't right. like have it continue. What would have happened? I, this is an yeah. honest question. I mean, I wonder if if fans will miss the. I I honestly, I'm being completely honest. I enjoy the human error side of it a little bit. You know, I I think it's part of the game. I've often said, even like FIFA, the video game, they should just have referee error. You yeah, know? I, I I do think that it's 
it gets into a slippery slope when you're judging judgment calls. Like offside yep. is one where if they had a system, because that's very objective, you either are or you are not. But when you're talking about penalty kicks and you're talking about red cards, I think that's one where you do sometimes just have to say, maybe the referee made a little bit of a mistake, but these are the best referees we can get in this country. And sometimes it just happens. Yeah. I mean, the, to, reference your point about offside from earlier and this is where i think we might disagree i think they could do something similar to the nfl where the referees are encouraged in a reasonable manner to let plays go in such a way where you know if it's a if it's a very tight offside call let it go see what happens if a goal is scored you can review it right so i but i i don't know if that you know, further disrupts the rhythm of the game in in your argument. Well, and I think it also sort of would be a very confusing thing to tell a linesman, like, if you're not sure, just let well, it go. That's, like, not the way that they've been trained to ref the well, game. Uh, it, it would be a more extreme version of it, but when I when I was a ref, they actually, they encourage ARs When to, I was a ref. Back Thomas, in the day. Oh, yeah. I, I told you. Have you this, ever read Card of the Child? I don't know if I've told this story. Uh, yes, one. But I, he, he was like, he was like, fi- How old was he? fifteen. Oh, cause that's old yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. All right. But yeah. and what did he do? He um, he shoved the kid and then said he was going to like kick his ass and then started to like run him down and then <laughs> I, I, I I intervened as best I could. Okay, um, so it was a Jermaine Jones type situation. Exactly. All right. <laughs> uh, and I still feel bad about it to this day because I saw him getting, like, a lecture from his parents and, like, looking all solemn on the sideline. That's afterward. what happens, Thomas. You don't feel bad about that. Like, Well, it also was a, it was a tournament, and he couldn't play the rest of the tournament because of that. Do you ever think that. it's and instead of red carding, maybe you should just pull, pull, you know, pull them aside? Just be like, hey, what are you so angry about? Right. Let's talk. <laughs> Tell me why you're upset. And I'm here to listen. The, the part I feel bad about is he – it was the other – he got fouled and overreacted to it. And the other – I gave the other kid, like, a yellow card. And he – even though he was kind of the instigator and all of it. And I, I was like, I know this is the right way of doing it. But I still feel bad that, like, you know, the instigator got off with the yellow and I had the red card. This poor <laughs> child. Again, Trevor says, and that kid was – grew up to be Martin Screlly. <laughs> <laughs> you could have saved us all. God. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Anything uh, else? Uh, it, it, the last item somebody wrote on here is, uh, how do you say this name again? I always, I say it wrong every time. Pusilic? Pulisic? Pulisic. Pulisic, comma, savior of the U.S. national team, question mark? Or savior of humankind, question mark. Hmm. Do I have to pick one of those options? Or? I mean, 17-year-old getting minutes for Bruce Dorman. I might go past Savior of National Team. And we know we'll see him on the National Team because he is, A, foreign, and B, playing in Germany. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with you on the foreign part. Well, well you know what I mean. Let's look that up. I mean, he's, well, born, he's born in Pennsylvania. Was he? Right. Does yeah. he? Oh, I, I thought mean, he was a naturalized citizen. No, no. No, no. He, he moved. He moved I'm to. Not, he moved to Germany this. a year ago. Yeah. When he was 16, and he's gone in a year from their U17s to their U21s. Oh wow, Hershey. Yeah. 
Hershey PA. Look at that. Um, I believe he had eligibility for Croatia, while well, still does. His middle name is Mate. Through one of Mate, M-A-T-E. Christian Mate. That's pretty tight. Um, Pulisic. So I think he has eligibility for Croatia through one of his grandparents or something. But, I mean, yeah, he's he's an American kid. And if he moves to Croatia, then they might as well just – or if he well, once you Croatia, leave this country, man, you go over there. You're a foreigner as far as I'm concerned. All right? That's right. He played Trump for, 2016. He trained with the Harrisburg City Islanders. I'm looking. That would have been such a that would have been such a a coup for them if they had signed him. Yeah, right. His father Mark played professional indoor soccer for the Harrisburg Heat in the 1990s. I'm reading. You know, I I actually saw a quote today from the Dortmund manager where he called Pusic an integral part of the team's attack. Jesus yes. Christ. It's incredible. Uh, I, he's played two I'm, games with the first I'm really team. hoping something was lost in translation there. Yeah. That seems like a, a pretty absurd amount of pressure to put on him. But yeah. I didn't say integral. I said he drives an Acura Integra, right? <laughs> it's different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, going from – Pretty unknown, except for in the uh, hardcore U.S. fan circles, to now you know maybe the most prominent American player playing in Europe. I mean, this is genuinely a guy who I had not heard of like a month ago. I, I hate he, admitting that, but you know, he, he was just one of many names you just see people talk about but have no actual reference point for. Right. right. Yeah. I, I saw him play with the U17s a little bit, and he was definitely cut above with them. Right. I mean, you know, a kid who's Playing first team in the Bundesliga, imagine, you know, watching him six months ago playing against U-17 kids from CONCACAF. Um, you know, it was definitely man versus boys type situation. So uh, how many goals does he score in the Copa America this summer? <laughs> 16. I mean, the, uh, he's so young. I mean, he Not only is he 17, but he recently turned 17. I mean, he's not going to be 18 until the fall. So it, he seems incredibly young to be a part of the senior team, but... Man, I mean, he's got about half season to go, a little bit less than half season in the Bundesliga. I mean, if he, if he really does start to put together some good performances, get a couple starts, it's hard It's hard to ignore as a, as a national team coach, someone who's playing at that high of a level. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know when we'll see him. Uh, it might be a little too late to integrate him for the Copa America or not. I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann brought Julian Green to the World Cup and played him in a knockout round game. So. Julian Green... <laughs> Will never be as good as Christian Pulisic is right <laughs> <All> now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. Yep. I think that's enough. Let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening, guys. We will uh, be back with you next week. Sorry, Daniel. Our phone lines are messed don't up. Make any, Try don't, again. don't make any promises about when we'll be back. Yeah. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll see you guys at some point. <laughs>